I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to the, the Reading, Reading Aloud, Aloud podcast. podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Hey everyone. All right. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. It's been, it feels like we just skipped a week, but it feels like a long time. <laughs> I would say a lot has happened. Yes. Uh, it feels like a lot happens, has just been all happening. In the last, yeah. 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 A lot's changed. Hey, Allie. Hey, Alberto. A lot is changing rapidly. It's <clears throat> um, it's pretty cool how rapidly it's changing. It's like 2020 is about to, well, it's not about to, it's just, it's the big game changer, hopefully. Yeah. Let's hope. Um, all right. Is it, does it feel like this year is going by quickly? Like it's June? And... Um, in no no not any i don't feel any quicker yeah no, no i don't feel like any quicker in particular i feel i i feel personally very slowed down and i think that that comes from feeling more clarity mm-hmm. you know i think the concept thank you yeah i feel like the concept of things moving quickly sometimes relates back to um, me not having clarity is sometimes related back to how present or not I am. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. So we're here and we're live. Um, and, and we're going to, um, as we get going, um, just want to, do you want to, do you want to kind of let everybody know? your your physical state right now yes so i had a minor outpatient procedure this morning i'm all good and well but you can imagine i've been sleeping most of the day um and yeah i'm a little loopy i was under anesthesia so all's well but uh a little bit loopy and i think that that's great i find that Honestly, when we're loopy or like whatever, potentially we can tune in in a deeper way. We're not as inhibited. I'm probably not going to try to sound perfect and all that's good. The other thing is that um, we're having the AC folks come out tomorrow. So we have no real good air conditioner right now. So, you know, it's, it's hot. It's hot. Which, and we're tired. Which makes excellent conditions for this very important conversation. Yeah, because it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and, and, you know. Yeah, so we're experiencing that in uh, as many ways as we can manage in our own lives. Well, I just want to say, you know, before we kind of get started, uh, I just want to say that, you know, part of this is actually in in some ways a really exciting conversation for us to have. And just for those folks listening, I mean, we're going to we're going to be talking about kind of the, the reading justice. aloud and racial justice and the, the you know, um, the movement that's that's happening across the country right now. So that that's what we're going to kind of talk about from from the reading aloud perspective. And, and I'll say that, you know, this is a conversation that I'm really excited to have um, because one of the, and many of our consistent listeners and the reading aloud family know this. But, you know, the reason that we launched this podcast in the first place was so that 
um, was so that we could inspire and help to cultivate greater conversation and connection out in the world. And Marisol and I really felt that like, you know, just by having conversations, vulnerable, real, raw conversations as a married couple in this stage in our life, never pretending that we're experts, but knowing that we're gonna talk about this and then sharing that with the world, our whole kind of goal, if you will, or vision with that, was to inspire others to have conversation. And essential, mm -hmm. essentially, you know, we're having this like, you know, so when we think about things, right, like we first think about them in our own heads, um, and then pretty quickly thereafter, we share them with somebody who's maybe close with us, or for example. So like you all are hearing the first time we're talking about so many things. Yes. Now, this is not the first time we've talked about race or, in, or justice issues or this movement in our relationship. But I did ask Adam a question yesterday or two days ago, Something and like we were like, let's save it for the podcast. So we don't have these conversations until we have them here with you. So it's a demonstration of how to have the vulnerable, intimate conversations the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and really encourage folks to do that before they go out into the world and have them because they're 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 such important topics yeah. that need to be discussed in a safe space um, where there's a lot of lack of judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Or an emphasis on lack of judgment. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of the so do we just... want to be really clear about what we're talking about today? Let's be really clear. Yeah, let's be really clear. What was the yeah, go for it if you Not feel the like... question, like yeah. the overall conversation. Great. So, you know, I think from my perspective, um, we are in another time right now um, in which issues of systemic institutionalized racism are on full, have been, and are being put on full display. People are rising up against that, and that is sparking a national debate, shouldn't even be a debate, but a national conversation about the role that racism plays in our society, in our institutions, and the oppression of black people in this country, which has occurred since our founding. And so that is a, you know, there's so much happening within that, um, uh, you know, actions and rallies and marches and political movement and policy proposals and you know, conversations, but I think what we want to focus on is just the collective act of, of having this vulnerable conversation um, from our own perspective, right? So um, me personally, I am a straight white male, right? I am, I am absolutely the most privileged class in this country today. I'm straight, I'm white, I'm from a middle-class family, you know, I had, I had, society is structured to give me every advantage. Right. And so I'm, how, you know, how do I have this conversation with my partner? Now I have my own beliefs and ideas about it, but like, how do we talk about this and, and how do we start the conversation here as we, you know, it right. goes out into the world? And I, you know, and I am a biracial woman, but I, my skin color um, it contributes to my passing as white. So I get the same advantages um, that, you know, for the most part that white women get. Right. For the most part. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and right now is such a, it's an important time for dialogue. One of the major agents of change is dialogue. And, you know, hopefully everybody here can start to have these dialogues, not only with people in their community and with their peers, but also, you know, we believe for many people that dialogue can start with their relationship. So I have a first request. Yeah. I, I'm going to need you to hold my hand at times because I'm realizing, like, as we're talking, I'm like, because, you know, I spend, I think part of this is that, you know, so I have a newsletter that I um, put out weekly that I've been discussing this topic in, and, you know, I, I have a Instagram platform and some other ways that I show up. And um, aside from kind of riffing on the Instagram platform, I would say aside from that, I, ha- I have had the privilege of thinking before right. I speak, and right. I don't now. And I have was under anesthesia today, and I can feel the, thank you, Yeah, I can feel, like, my vulnerability about, like, okay, I'm really, I'm, I'm about two, three steps behind my own words. And so, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to really F this one up. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I think that's, that's real. And that's what's making this conversation real because we haven't rehearsed this. We're coming from our true selves and we're doing it live and people are watching. And it's around a really vulnerable topic, you know, where we could say something wrong um, we and we could say something where we need to be educated more on that fact and we're just going to lay this out there and I think our intention is just to you know show you all and put on display a real conversation about this so I, I think yeah. we should kind of like launch in launch okay. in and, yeah, yeah, yeah ask each other some questions Great. and appreciate y'all uh, tuning in if you do want to comment or offer any like feedback or suggestion or offer us up a resource. If we say something off base um, or you feel like uh, could learn in that area, please put it in the chat box. We are open to feedback. Oh, Just say to that. be clear. Yeah. And this is also for anybody who's listening um, after the fact. So when the recording comes out this week, you know, we're at readingaloudlove at gmail.com. Please send your thoughts, your feedback. Um, that's one of the commitments that <clears throat> both Adam and I uh, have made for a long time is that we are not, we do not want to operate from defensiveness or our fragility. So, you know, send your thoughts and feelings and we will, um, you know, receive them, consider them, and then take action where necessary. So thank you. I have a question for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Throughout the course, um, since the brutal murders of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and kind of, you know, the initial spark of this phase of, um, and Ahmaud Arbery. And Ahmaud Arbery. Um, and so many more. And, and so many more. But like, since, since, yeah. since this kind of like mark in this initial phase, what's one of the biggest takeaways that, that you've kind of like felt, like you personally, like what, what really have you kind of like grown out of it? Has there been something you've learned or been something that you've kind of opened up to? Yeah. So, you know, I think for me... You know, I I have been a list. I have listened to you talk about this issue so much, and then I've been doing some work in the board that I serve on, and a few kind of like here and there's. And I think for me, um, kind of the highlights are all of the areas where I was um, compartmentalizing. So where this work was at the forefront of my mind, and then where it was at in the background Mm. and um and how i have you know that's my privileges to make it to be self-selecting that way 
And so for me, it's like a real highlight of that dynamic in my own life, as well as, um, you know, like, as I'm, as I'm like, I haven't had, you know, it's felt like such an overwhelming topic to tackle. And I felt uh, many times hopeless, like, what can I do other than kind of what I do here or there? And I think for me, I like, all of a sudden I gathered enough like wind and I feel like I am so bound in with this collective movement that Mm -hmm. I have gained clarity of like, this is how I can move forward. Like I no longer feel disabled by by the work that I need to do. I feel very, um, you know, kind of clear. I'm not saying I know everything, but like I'm getting clearer and clearer every day and I feel so much more capacity and Mm -hmm. direction. And then I think the other thing is, you know, the 75 things white people can do. There's a hawk. Yes. Nice. Huge. Good omen. Um, The 75 things white people can do um, gave me really tactical action steps and just like both, both um, from all angles and very mm-hmm. easy, as well as um, having th- having white feelings partners. So having mm-hmm. um, it was a recommendation that came through this uh, through a what friend. Is, how do you define yeah. that, a white feelings partner? Yeah, well, it was a recommendation that came through a friend who posted this woman who has you know not that many followers on Instagram, but she posted this really she's been posting this really powerful stuff, and. Um, like legitimately non-judgmental spaces to process through not just the feelings because I don't really want to get into like like really so self-centered that I'm or so self um focused that I'm like constantly talking about my feelings about this but a place where I can like say oh my gosh this is what I've been doing for x amount of years I've got to change it hold me accountable um, I feel like crap, you know, I have shame and guilt about it and then kind of quickly get that ball, like getting the shame and guilt out on the table so that things can get moving really quickly. So it's talking with other white people about my experience and yeah. the ways in which I've shown up or not shown up and how mm-hmm. I feel about that. Yeah. Wow. And it's been incredible. It's been, yeah. um, it's made, it's made my capacity You really kind of went move. on a, you, you, it sounds like you really went on like a, a range of emotions throughout a, almost a short period of time and then yeah. kind of came to a place of action, which is awesome. Well, that was what I felt was urgency. And so many people, when they feel urgency, they fight, flight, or freeze. And so, you know, I think for me initially, it was like, oh my gosh. And then it was a little collapse. I felt paralyzed mm-hmm. for maybe a day. And then I was like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I connected in with a group of women that I that are dear friends of mine. And then off to the races. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, I have capacity and I have women who are going to support Y'all me. Y'all been tearing that Marco Polo up. I mean, I just mm-hmm. found it this week. Yeah. And I've got like Amazing. thousands of videos. <laughs> um, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, can I share my experience? Yes, I'm at... Sorry for not No, 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 no. I kind of jumped into that. Um, I think for me there's two things that kind of like really grounded themselves. You're not answering my question though, right? My big question that I asked you. No, 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 this is, there's two things about, so, you know, what I just asked my soul, like, what is this? Anyway, there's two things that really grounded in it for me. One being, um, one being like, it wasn't as much, like I, 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 um, 
I don't do direct racial justice work, but I, I work in a broader kind of justice movement role. And so I talk about this stuff a lot and think about it a lot um, in the specific work that I do. But like... Well, the intersection of environmental... Intersection environmental and environmental justice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was... Um, it wasn't that the, the actions that really got to me, but like... It was a reminder for me this time, the power of the stories I was hearing. And, you know, it's like, it's this big experience that people of color are having that I can't personally relate to, but I can gain a deeper understanding with by hearing their stories and listening to them. And, you know, I had have had always, or not always, but like since I've done ju- racial justice trainings and um, I recommend everybody do one, um, but since I've done this, you know, you have a more like almost an academic understanding of kind of like the systems and the structures and redlining and, and all the ways that Pipelines. like, yeah, and all the, yeah, prison pipelines and all those things and the role of the police. And you have this like academic understanding. But I felt like this time more than ever, I heard more personal stories um, on social media or just, you know, through various channels. Um, And we were listening to something today, which made me think of this in that the person, the the speaker was talking about how, um, you know, learning to know oneself more is also creating deeper connection with universal experience. So so deepening your connection with yourself was deepening a connection with universal experience. And it was almost like through this process, the stories that I were hearing were like deepening my personal understanding of the black American experience. And I really gained that through stories this time. So I, I've just so appreciated the storytelling. Um, and you know rather than maybe learning more about the more academic kind of sides appreciated meaning just feeling more connected into more connected into the um the experience of of being black and so from the head to the heart okay i just stuck my finger yeah yeah she's still got a little 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 anesthesia um uh yeah that's a great way of putting it from the head to the heart you know i really i feel like it moved into more of a heart space for me um in this time and that was that was um you know being like growing up being very influenced by patriarchal systems and white supremacy and you know where you're thinking efficiency and you're thinking like understanding and academia and you know this like moving that into the heart space the more kind of like deepening my cultural um appreciation and understanding for like racism in america was such a wonderful complement to my journey um, in understanding this work and becoming a anti-racist ally um, in this movement. Well, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, first of all, the head is like, we give so much emphasis to it here in the West, but it's so limited Um, and um, also biased, of course, but um, like to whatever your own contextual experience is, but like you're creating a whole body experience um, so yeah, you're creating this like entire body experience, which is an, it's really incredible. So somebody right. just replied, Ali replied, like it's almost freeing. Mm. Interesting. Say more about that, Ali, and we'll get to it. Please say more about how you feel more free. Um, so my question to you yeah. the other day was, so uh, 
like, this is not about touting what you've done or whatever, but I do know and have listened for many years as you've talked about the intersection of in the environmental movement and race. And so I have learned so much from you. Um, feel very privileged to be able to like that you have done so much work because I'd be, I am the benefactor of that in many ways. Um, I also feel very lucky that you don't judge me. I just want to say thank you for that. And you know, I love you. I love you too. Don't make me cry on this podcast. I cry every time. And this time with the anesthesia, don't touch my hand because you're going to make me cry. Anyways. So the, the, you know, so anyways, as we're, as, as I've learned, you know, I'm like, wow, you do, you take action every day in your work life. I also know that we take some action in our personal and our spiritual lives. Now, never enough, right? Like for sure for me, never enough. I'll just speak for myself. Never enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never taken enough action, but you, you know, my question to you was like, what are you going to do now? What's the next level for you look like? How, like, where, where are you called to be in this? And how, like, yeah, like, how else, what else are you going to do? I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know how else to ask that. Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate that question. And, like, I just, I think that continuing to ask that question is a really important thing, right? Like, what's next? What's next? Um, you know, how are we we're never getting to the top of this mountain of like, you know, equality. It's like we, we climb up and you think you're getting top, but it's a plateau and you climb up again. And I just love that analogy. And it's like, it's not about like, it is about achieving like that vision of the world, but it is also just as much about the journey of getting there. So, you know, asking yourself continuously, how do I continue to grow? How do I deepen and, and what's next? And when you ask me that and we, we cut off the conversation because we wanted to kind of dive into it more here, it was really just thinking about like how we've talked, you know, there's a lot of emphasis and it should be on outward action. Um, and everybody there listening, you know, we hope that you're donating and um, time, yeah, money, time, talent, money, talent, everything. Yep, all of that um, needs to be out there. And if you don't know what resources, um, if you need resources for that, don't hesitate to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, feel free to reach out to us on on Facebook, and we're happy to provide some. At the same time, when you asked that question, it kind of like hit me and made me think about like, how am I personally, as an individual, growing with this? Not necessarily what I know and understand, what's my knowledge level, or what am I doing with my hands and my feet and my mouth? But how am I growing internally? And how is this awakening, if you will, impacting me as like, me as a human, my soul? And, you know, how am I integrating it into my personal growth and work and my mental state? Um, And, you know, I actually appreciate that we had a comment, it's almost freeing because you know, I think a lot of these ways and these isms and these systems that have kind of like been constructed around this, they they trap our they the, trap well, our souls in a lot of ways. That and, they that they actually yeah. impact us all. Now, not the same. They don't impact us all in the same way, but they yeah. impact us all. And and can I interject with that? That they that you know this group, but my white feelings group that I'm 
that I'm with, um, my white feelings partners, you know, the one of the things that we talk about, because we're all therapists, so we talk about like ways in which we have or haven't approached uh, racism with our white clients. So is that a topic of conversation? And um, and then of course we all are now. And so, you know, one of the women was like, you know, she came at it from, um, so one of her clients had some empathy for, was it Sarah Cooper, Amy Cooper or whatever, the woman in the Amy Cooper, I think she had, she felt yeah. empathy for this woman who was in New York, who, who was very scared. And so this therapist was talking to um, her about, yeah, you're, 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 you are relating back to the fear that that woman felt and that fear that comes from so many years of training, mm. like, like really being taught to fear the black man mm. and that, and so, you know, and so, and then she was like, it's interesting how white supremacy affects us all. Yeah. Right. Now, again, not the same way right, at right, all, right. but it, yeah, it differently. yeah, but it's, it negatively affects us all and I think people think a lot about the privilege that they have as white people and like oh I get the benefits but like it's not good for right. any of us well what you remind me too if anybody has a chance and, and I if any men out there reading I um, and want to learn more about like feminism and the patriarchy I am just finishing up um, uh, Bell Hooks uh, how to love book will and the change oh will the change um, the will to change and this is one thing that 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 um, Bell Hooks talks about in the book is what it actually focuses on is the way that patriarchal systems harm men. You know, they they harm the, for lack of a better say more because people word, will get pissed when they hear that. They that that patriarchal systems harm men. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that in the same way that our society is limited and oppressed because of the lack of equality, mm -hmm. right? Because we are not embracing the full spectrum of diversity of, of cultures and ideas and, and applying that, you know, something with, with a full, you know, the, a full spectrum of diversity is so much stronger and better. I, I, okay, real quick. And how, and how terrible to be fed um, ways to abuse power. Exactly. And, and, and to be fed and taught violence and hate. How terrible it is to be fed that as a young man. Yeah, and, and that that's, that that's who we're supposed to be, you know, and it, and it's, and it just shows that, you know, uh, in, in terms of, you know, and there's all these statistics and I'm doing a horrible job regurgitating it here but like you know of suicide rates in, oh, in men high. and and you know the ways in which suicide we are rates in white men but this in is, white men white men like around the age of 50 this midlife crisis -y type time are some of the highest in our nation if not i don't know if they're the highest and so and so it's just like you know and i don't want to get off of like racial justice and, and talk about like yeah, white men not, and patriarchy yeah. like but it's it's just it's it's something that I've like felt about a lot or felt a lot in this time of, of the, the emotional impact on me as an individual, recognizing that like that as best I can do providing empathy for the, in my opinion, at least at this point, you know, more, much more severe impact on communities of color and, um, you know, 
with my other, you know, with my brothers out there, black men who are being murdered by the police. Like that psychological is much more intense than mine. But like just looking into the impact that it's having on me so that, as I said before, I can show up as the best anti-racist ally that I possibly can um, in this. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways it has made me like just one way that 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 institutionalized racism in America has impacted me as an individual um, is that, you know, it has made me so much more um, attuned to uh, like, like deadlines and time and that has raised my, my stress and it has made me a much more kind of like um, impatient person. So what like you're I am impatient because of institutionalized racism. Right. And, and so what you're talking about is that that institutionalized racism, white supremacist culture feeds into productivity, uh, progress, yes. efficiency, uh, you know, chronos time. Um, all of these kinds of perfectionism. I think that's mm -hmm. an experience I've had as a white woman is perfectionism um, in all aspects of my life and things like that. So did you feel like you finished what you had said about yeah. the things that you are, do are doing? Yeah, yet, and I'd just like to say really quickly, I don't think I know them all yet. Like that last sure. statement where I stumbled through it, like I don't think I know them all yet, but I'm like, it's. I'm just excited about looking more into that in my own personal work while I continue to, you know, walk and work and donate and do all the things that I can outwardly. I'm really wanting to deepen into this personal level. Why is it that we're just like, why is it as a nation we're just now doing it? Like, I, like I kind of spoke to this before as like how I feel like uh, there's some solidarity, like I finally have direction that I that I haven't sought out before or haven't been able to find or whatever I want to, you know, whatever kind of excuse I want to make or feeling about that. And then I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm with this wind, like now is, it is happening now differently than it has happened, um, you know, maybe. I hope since so. The, well, but something has happened this week that is undeniable. Yeah. So it's like it does why, feel like one of those. It does feel like that moment. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, I'm gonna participate. You know, everybody's saying they're gonna participate in in keeping it going and mm -hmm. making the changes that need to be made. And oh my gosh, I so hope that. But yeah. why now? Like, what is it? I mean, you know, the astrologers are saying it's 2020 and all these planets, which is you know, very whitewashed, I understand. Um, and then, you know, other people are saying it's like this, that, and the other, but we've got these pandemics happening, the pandemic of race and the pandemic of coronavirus. And just, you know, I think that's a great question. I, I don't know the answer, and I don't think that... I, why, I, why aren't we... I, why didn't we do more until now? I, and I, are we doing more now? Yeah, I mean, those are... That's a lot. Um, I, I, I guess here's what came to my mind. I would say that I feel like what I would attribute this moment to is it's it's I always see this as a process and a building, right? Like in in my opinion, this is the the reason that there is there feels like such a moment of change right now in my opinion is because of the tireless work of black leaders and black led organizations for decades 
and especially the hyper-focused work of black leaders and black-led organizations since Trayvon, you know, um, and, and probably since others. I, I don't want to discount anybody, but like in, in my mind, like since some of the more high-profile killings in kind of the age of cell phone recording, you know, um, which I think plays into it a lot, but and the work that those leaders and organizations have done to sow the seeds of movements and to sow the seeds of revolution in our society, you know, when something like the, you know, George Floyd's murder goes quote unquote viral, that is water for those seeds that have already been planted. And it isn't necessary, like, it's just the combination of that, that flower bursting out of the ground. Just like you see those stop motion things, you know, like, where does it come from? But there's energy, so, it's like the energy, the energy is there. And nobody can say now on that energy. Nobody can say if they could, they would have done it 100 oh, yeah. years ago, right? But but you're just continuing to sow those seeds. You're continuing to cultivate the soil just to use the like gardening analogy here. But like, and so I just attribute the reason that we're as a country talking about this and everybody's on fire. It is because of the work of so many organizers working on the front lines and, and black leaders but in this country. I, my, I think my question is also just for us, like what am I going to see different in you? How, what am I going okay. to recognize? How will I recognize your change? Well, it's a great question. I think one of the things that I've been reflecting on as like another step that I can take is looking for ways to um, um, like give, give power away in the way that empowers, um, not empowers, but like give my power and privilege away as a white man and in that learn learn a new way like i've said to you over and over and i'm still kind of discovering this um and those watching this is like raw i don't really know where this is going but like now is not my time now is not my time as a straight white man now is not my time and i don't mean that in a way of like in a way of like i'm just gonna crawl into a hole because you know, not that, but like, now it's not my time in the sense of like, now it's not my time to, you know, be out in front or, or voice up in, in the kind of like authoritative way or decision-making way. Even if I have some sort of experience, it's like, I don't know. I'm just searching for a way to seed power, um, at, or what's succeed power. Thank you. To succeed power. Um, in a way that almost gives me a new sense of power, like gives, I gain more heart-centered power, right? Instead of systematic power, I gain more heart-centered power by seceding power out in the world to, you know, do what I can to, to, you know, grow this movement in a way. Like, and I'm just, I'm figuring out the ways. It's not like I'm the CEO of a major corporation and can do that and like give up my position to a person of color, you know, but there are, there are subtle ways. There are ways in which I can 
step back instead of step up in conversations when I'm so trained as a white man to step up constantly and offer my opinion. You know, that's a way that I can just step back and, and, and let others do that. You know, there are ways in which I can just, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I find that you do that to begin with, or you have learned to do that in the last few years, especially around like patriarchal culture too, um, which of course is in many ways, you know, has a yeah, lot of, yeah, oh yeah. Um, and so it's interesting because I, I want you to continue to be a bridge for other white men who are on this journey as well to share knowledge, resources, information with them. Um, seems like if you can redirect almost all of your energy in that direction and then really go forward. So it's instead of, and it's, it's with humility that you do that, but instead of quieting down or getting really, I mean, you need to, you, you need to listen in from our BIPOC brothers and sisters. Then you need to take what you know to this community, but just that community. Yeah. yeah. And that feels. Educating my, my peers of other white men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, the ways that you'll see me be different um, are not trying to cut corners as much. Um, I think you'll see what I know grow, um, like because I'll be learning and listening. You'll see me more um, apt or willing to um, participate in dialogue, events, things like that. And I think you'll see, you'll see a really big change in my business, which I'm very much trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for those things. Mm -hmm. So I just want to see if yeah. there's any commentary that yeah. we can just kind of, so there's some, this is about the free, it's almost freeing. There's something about acknowledging other people's experience and that your experience is influenced within the patriarchy and the white supremacy in our system that opens your heart and mind to say, I'm not perfect, I'm flawed, and I'm free to acknowledge that and try to, and try and fail to fix this and fight and say the wrong thing while doing that. And, and with that freedom, I can apologize when I do it wrong and try again without feeling crippled by shame or my point of views. So as we basically deconstruct white supremacy in ourselves, we are then free to make mistakes, be flawed, um, be humbled by what we don't know. And that's vulnerability and vulnerability is freedom. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And trying to hide it by finding reasons that I'm not racist, such as it's about the family unit, all lives matter, focusing on the wrong thing, that can make you feel caged. So again, the ways in which we also do not benefit from white supremacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another comment, because the new generation is showing up and all types of people of all races and all walks of life are showing up against injustice. The virus brought out a lot of inequity. So that that was in response to why now. So there's just these like incredible highlighters. And I think cell phones are one, coronavirus is another, but there's these magnifiers on and and I think that, you know, the internet, and we've talked about this before in other podcasts, but it really does say like we can get a we can take the temperature of the whole world at this point, most countries that participate in the internet, um, and you know, take the temperature of the of the world and kind of bind together and say, oh, we're all in agree or you know, there's enough of us in agreement that we can do something. Yeah. So what can I do? Follow the teachings and welcoming all of my diversity of creation, love my neighbor as myself, do not judge. 
and with each well, I appreciate, other. You know, I just appreciate the, you well, know. A lot the, of idle minds looking for purpose right now. That's a good one. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I appreciate the, the spiritual aspects of, you know, being able to, uh, you know, welcome the diversity of, of, of creation and at the same time, like, you know, um, I think it's important to stay away and remove ourselves from the we are all one language, um, especially when we're talking about, you know, racial justice, because in that context, we're not all one. You know, we um, haven't had the all one. We haven't had that. We're, no, we're not having a collective like um, uh, experience of reality um, in that sense. Um, you know, and so, but learning how to weave in divinity and spiritual principles into this very real, raw work that's, you know, based in a lot of pain and also a lot of like joy and the potential for you know like creating those i just think that's that's a beautiful mixture as mm -hmm. well anything else you want to say on that <sighs> it's an important one it's kind of this distinction between the all lives matter and the and the black lives matter and why we are focusing on black lives right now yeah. for anybody who's not clear about that yeah, I mean, I guess for anybody that's not clear about that, it's that, you know, um, in our black communities, you know, the house is on fire and um, it's on, you know, it's been on fire for generations. And, uh, you know, since since the transatlantic slave trade uh, in terms of the West and, um, you know, it is long past that that we we focus on on healing uh, those wounds and uh, repairing that and paying attention through all the varieties from our daily lives to education to political action. So, um, you know, that's why we're focused on black lives, you know, and I think that like there's there's probably a section of like all lives matter folks that are just, you know, coming from, you know, a, you know, there's just a lack of understanding and, and you know, racist ideology that, that they're putting out there. I think there's also a section that are kind of seeing it in this more, like, spiritual sense in terms of, like, we're all in this collective experience and, like, we're all human, we're all one man. Um, and, you know, from a, from a super high-level, ultra-spiritual, like, we're all made of stardust you know, maybe from that perspective, but that is not the reality of our world and our day-to-day -day lives. And just as like, we are, we are so focused on healing the injustices and the inequities in our daily lives and the systems that we exist within that, that is not true. We are not all one in that. Um, there are classes and there are biases and there are racist structures and, and that are in place. And until people stop dying disproportionately, then we're not living in a we're, we're not, not living in a heaven on earth. Exactly. <clears throat> so one last question that I want to get to. So um, with each other, we're open, but how do starting these conversations with your close family units been? How do you navigate not burning familial bridges? So I'll just speak from my experience that you know right after all this happened, the first thing I did was call my parents just to kind of see, take the temperature. So like, 
is this going to be topic of conversation for them? Are they going to, like, are they going to bring it up? Am I going to bring it up? Um, who's going to start talking about it first? And then um, it, it's actually been sort of a, a little bit of a slow burn, and I say slow burn like a week long, but eventually it's like getting direct into the point. But it's interesting to pay attention to like, I've been using this bus stop metaphor. It's like figuring out what bus stop people are at. So if you're at bus stop number one, you've never even considered that you might have privilege as a white person. If you're at bus stop number three, you've acknowledged your privilege. Um, you've done some research, but you're not really sure where to take action. Bus stop number six, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, you yeah. get it. So, you know, kind of figuring out what bus stop people are at and really starting, you've taught me so much about this, Adam, but really starting from where they're at, um, being willing to listen, acknowledge where um, they're, you know, kind of paying attention to where the, the kind of the, the, because there's a right and wrong here. That's not always true with every, with every opinion, but like where the, where the right feelings are um, and really highlighting, wow, that's awesome. And kind of capitalizing on that and kind of in, pushing people in the direction that they're already headed when they're headed in the right direction yeah. and a shit ton of bravery. Yeah. I, I, I love that so much the way, and, and th this is very similar to what you're saying. Like, uh, to answer that question from my perspective, it's like you, you, especially with those that are, you have an opportunity to engage for, an extended period of time with, you know, it's a different situation if you're like calling out some racist comment on social media, you know, and there's not, but if you're actually engaging in a conversation, you know, listening is such an important part, e even if that person is kind of, you know, uh, crazy and just, just uneducated about these issues and really has some, you know, backwards uh, beliefs around this, but like listening and then as Mighty Soul was saying, you know, finding out where they're at and, and moving, moving, moving those steps along the way. I, I used to teach people um, how to like raise money on the street and you ever say somebody wave and like, you know, the first time somebody does that, you kind of practice in the office. And the first time they do that, they make every single mistake. There's probably like 15 mistakes that they make and what you do is you don't just all of a sudden start listing off all the things that they did wrong because then they shut down, they're overwhelmed, and they're not listening anymore. You, The first thing you say, and you wouldn't necessarily say this in a conversation about racial justice, but in this situation you say, great job, here's one thing that you can do different. You know, here's one piece of feedback. And so I would say in these conversations that are difficult with your family, you know, you listen, you've, you'll probably hear if they're uneducated, 30 things that they say wrong, you know, and you could go through this whole, these litany. books, that, litany of things, these books that you've read and you're bursting with all this information. And to take, be, a, take a breath. To be clear, I, uh, you know, understandably so, because there's a big sense of urgency. We, yes. are, we are way behind, so I can understand how, um, you know, folks would want to like educate as quickly as possible. Right, but sometimes it's it's so like it is about this moment, and it is also about the the long term power building movement. You know, and sometimes it's so urgent you have to slow down, because if you try to do it all at once, it's it's not going to work. And this is especially true in conversations that it's so urgent you have to slow down. Cheers to my colleague, Emily Zucchino, who's really taught me that. And um, yeah, and that's just, you know, that's like slow down 
and 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 work with that person if you really care about them and you really care about that and uh, just take take the time because it is about that long term um, if you're really committed to change that person's mind um, take them bus stop to bus stop and I think that for me I I have made probably the biggest mistake I've made in trying to be a bridge is making an assumption that people were at a different bus stop. And I recognize that I really did that um, early on. I just assumed that people had at least as much knowledge as me because I didn't feel like I even had that much knowledge to begin with. And so I made this assumption and I lost people along the way. Like it mm-hmm. just cut off the conversation completely. Yep. And even in my best efforts to be understanding, empathetic and encouraging. And so, you know, the other thing, and like not assuming people have information, you know, a lot of people don't know about the prison pipeline. So that, and and I'll probably get this wrong, but like that prisons are located in black communities, right? Directly associated with, it's almost like it's the school to prison pipeline. And if you can say anything more about that, you know, but a lot of people don't understand kind of how these institutions have been almost, you know, like fixed, not almost, have they been fixed and rigged in the direction to kind of deal with things, you know, before they are like almost to manifest things into reality for communities. Yeah. And people don't know that. And, um, the movie 13th is talks all about that. Um, the documentary 13th talks all about that. So it's like, you know, but people don't have that understanding or understand that, um, you know, I was just talking with somebody today about the fact that the, the police system was initially built to, um, to police slaves like that's where it started so that that's the history that's the starting point mm-hmm. of the our what we have now is the police system all the things all the things all the things so yeah. we appreciate you all the brilliant documentary i'm assuming 13th, yeah. mm-hmm. so thank you all for your time if you have any last thoughts or questions we'll just give a, a moment for that and just thank you all for being with us today and um yeah, thanks for that conversation. Thanks for, you know, I hope that we, you and I, can continue to have those. I really appreciated that. And I feel like I feel like just between us, I now, because we had that conversation, um, have an ability to dive further into my thoughts and feelings around this topic with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a desire to talk more with you about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's continue... Keep the conversation conversation going. going. (laughs) All right. It's our tour behind our house, in our house. Okay, y'all. Blessings. Bye. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.